If you brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have, I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, exactly the same spot that we was last week. I don't know if you caught or realized, but uh, we didn't go all the way through uh, that passage of Scripture. I had told you last week that I wanted to preach, or I felt like the Lord wanted me to preach about Thanksgiving, and uh, but I'd said that the there was no way to uh, ignore so many of these verses here in this passage of Scripture. And so anyways, I ended last week with verse 18, Everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so anyways, I want to look at the rest of that passage of Scripture. But let's read the whole passage again, starting in verse 12, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Uh, and we'll read this passage of scripture and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer uh, and then I'll try to share with you uh, the burden of my heart. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, Warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of of God in uh, will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you one more time here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and the many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for each one who come out this morning. Thank you for our church family, for the roof you put over our head, the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have to gather here. But we thank you most of all for your son Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him in giving so that we might have life and have our life eternally and abundantly. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. We can't do enough to repay you. We can't even thank you enough for it. But God, I pray that we would always be a people with praise and glory on our lips for you because you alone are worthy of it. And Lord, even though we could never thank you enough, I pray that we'd all die trying. And Lord, I pray as we go forward this morning in this service, Lord, have your way and your will in our midst. God, I'm asking that you'd move by your sweet Holy Spirit. That you'd touch each one that is here. I pray, Lord, that you would bless. I pray, Lord, each one would leave here knowing that they've been in your presence. Lord, I'm asking that you would do what only you can do here in this service this morning. Lord, that you'd just show up in a big way and that you'd show out. And that you would move on our hearts and our minds. And God, that you, would stir up, that you would stir us, that you would encourage us, that you would inspire us, Lord, that you'd lift us up. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just move in a mighty way. 
And Lord, if there's any among us that's not right with you, that's not where they ought to be with you, that's not saved and on their way to heaven and know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I pray, Lord, that you'd pour out that old-time Holy Ghost conviction upon them. God, that you wouldn't give them any peace until they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. So, Lord, I'm just asking one more time, have your way in your will in our service. Fill me full of your spirit. Lord, let your presence be known and felt here in a mighty way. I'm asking for your anointing, your holy unction. Lord, I'm asking that you clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. You place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to say this morning. And we'll be sure and give you all the glory for it. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. If you'll remember, last week I read to you verse 16. And it says, rejoice evermore. Right? Actually, I started last week talking about the story of the pilgrims. And I'm sure you remember that. And then we started in at verse 16. And it says, rejoice evermore. And I told you, uh, you know, Always rejoice is what it's saying, right? I've got an always for each one of these. Always rejoice, right? I told you that we can always rejoice in all circumstances no matter what because we get our joy from the Lord, not our circumstances, right? If you'll remember, I talked about uh, we look out in this world and we see everything that is going on, right? And we see all the chaos and we see all the hatred. We see all the division, right? We see sin, I run amok. We see the moral uh, fiber of our nation and, and our country and our land. And really throughout the whole world, we see it just completely having fallen apart, right? We just see the moral depravity, the state of darkness that things are in, right? And then in the midst of that, right, we have things that happen to us, things that come into our life, things that are maybe even beyond our control, right? Some of those things, they might be our own doing and our own fault because of our decisions that we made. But other things may be things that are just completely out of our, our control. Right, I give you the example of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, whenever they are in the, uh, the Philippian prison, right? And, but yet at the midnight hour, they're able to sing and, 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 and express, have expressions of joy and lift their voice to God. Why is that? How is it that they can find joy in such a dark, uh, evil circumstance, right? Because if you'll remember, as far as they knew, they were going to be executed the next day. Uh, And so how is it that they're able to find joy in that? It's because they do not find their joy in the circumstances that are around them. How is it when tragedy comes our way? How is it whenever the things of life come into our life and, and, and we encounter whatever it may be, whether it's tragedy, whether it's darkness and evil, whatever it is, whether it's just bad choices that we've made, how is it that we're able still to lift our voices and praise the Lord? Where is it that we find our joy? Well, we get our joy from our Lord. Our joy comes from God, not our circumstances. And then the second one in verse 17 where it says, pray without ceasing. Always pray. Well, the Bible tells us, it teaches us that we're to pray at all times, in all seasons, and at every opportunity. Right? Those are all direct quotes from the scriptures talking about prayer. We're to pray without ceasing all the time. 
right? And, and, and so anyways, the question is always asked, well, how do you pray without ceasing? And I told you that, yes, we need to find time in our prayer closet every day. We do need to find time to be on our knees before God, uh, seeking His face and crying out to Him, no doubt about that. But you can't do that nonstop, 24-7. So how is it that we pray without ceasing? And if you'll remember, I explained to you last week that the word uh, the, in the Greek, the, the phrase without ceasing in the original Greek, is actually the same phrase that they would use for somebody who couldn't stop coughing. You know, I give you the example. I told you my grandma used to always say, coughing your head off, you know, that persistent constant cough right it's the exact same word without ceasing that the greeks would use in that time to describe that kind of a cough some of you may have that kind of a cough right now and so he's applying that to prayer that is how we to pray all the time right it's to be persistent right and, and so anyways yes there is times on our knees where the entire world is shut out but there's other times where as the saying goes a whisper a little prayer you know we're constantly in communication i'll say it this way an attitude of prayerfulness is one of being in continual fellowship with god and then the one that i ended on last week is in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Always give thanks. Right? You see the reoccurring theme here? Always rejoice. Always pray. Always give thanks. Notice that it says in this verse, in everything. Right? Not for everything. That is two different things. Right? It is not telling us to give thanks for everything. It's telling us to give thanks in everything right evil does not come from god as a matter of fact it's a, a deficiency it is the exact opposite of that it is a lack of god is what the result of evil is right uh, the bible uses the analogy of light and darkness all the time right light to describe god who is um is good right the total complete that is the source of everything that is good. That is what good is. And that darkness is used as an example of evil, right? And if you think about this, there's a reason why the Bible uses, right? Why God chose to use that analogy, right? It's because this, light is a thing, right? If we're going to have light, you've got to have a source of light. Darkness is not a thing. Darkness is an absence of light. That's how you get darkness. You remove the light. Darkness does not come in and overtake the light, right? It is no such force or substance. Something can come in and block the light out, but that's not the same thing. That's not darkness. Darkness, it doesn't just all of a sudden, when it gets dark outside, it's not because the darkness has moved, has moved over and overcome the light. No, it's because the light has been removed. In the case of day and night, the sun is on the other side of the earth, right on the other side of the earth. And so the light has moved, and that's why there is darkness, right? Darkness is simply the absence of light. Evil is simply the absence of good, the absence of God. And so when evil does not come from God, it's the result of the lack of God. 
So we do not thank God for evil when bad things happen and things like that, right? Whether it's bad or, you know, evil, whatever the case may be. You don't thank God for those things. You thank God in those things. Even in those things, you still thank God. We can still be, even when evil strikes or bad times or trouble or tribulation or, 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 or tragedy strikes, we can still be thankful for God's presence in the midst of all of it. We can still be thankful for the good that we know that he will accomplish in and through our times of trouble and our times of tribulation. God has a thing of taking, uh, he has a way of taking taking things, right? When something bad happens in the life of those that love him, he has a way of taking that and making good come out of it. That might even be scripture. It is in Romans chapter 8. Now, verse 19. Quench not the spirit. Let me turn it around and say it this way. Always be led by the spirit. Right? Quench not the spirit. I'm going to say it this way. Always be led by the Spirit. Okay? Right? Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Right? So it's telling us for everyone who is a Christian, they are to be led by the Spirit. Right? So they're not to quench the Spirit, they are to be led by the Spirit. I think quenching the Spirit is the opposite of being led by by the Spirit, right? I think those two things are opposites, right? Uh, so to be, so we are not to quench or suppress would be another word you could use there. We're not to quench or suppress the Spirit, right? To quench the Spirit means to limit Him or to hinder Him uh, in His work, what it is that He is trying to do, right? The Spirit of God is moving. The Spirit of God is trying to do something, whether it's through you or through somebody else, but the Spirit of God is actively at work. And if we do something to hinder that, to quench that, to try to stop that, right? Whether that's just being a wet blanket or whether that's physically doing something to, to try to block it or whatever, then what are we doing? We are quenching the Spirit. We're doing just uh, we're not being led by the Spirit of God. We're trying to stop the Spirit of God. You know, and as, as you look, and you know, I read in a, in a commentary one time where it said that uh, um, empty tradition, it said, sin, it said sin quenches the Spirit, right? I think that's obvious. And then it said empty traditions and rituals quench the Spirit of God. Uh, man-made rules and regulations in public worship quench the Spirit of God. Disunity quenches the Spirit of God. And someone once said, was quoted as saying, cold looks, contemptuous words, silence, and studied disregard. I didn't know what was meant by the phrase studied disregard. I had to look that one up. But studied disregard means a deliberate lack of attention or respect. A deliberate lack of attention or respect, right? So they, those things go a long way to quench the Holy Spirit. And so does unsympathetic criticism. John chapter uh, 16, verse 13, Jesus said, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall say, or whatsoever he shall hear, excuse me, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. 
The Spirit of God, the point I'm trying to get at and the reason I'm sharing that scripture with you is the Spirit of God will guide us. He will guide us into all truth if we will allow Him to lead us in our life, in our daily walk, right? We are, if we're led by the Spirit, then we will not be led astray, right? I mean, think about that for a second. You can't be led astray if you're being led by the Spirit of God. We need to seek, right? God's, we need to, we're good about seeking God's blessings, right? Everybody wants God's blessings. Oh God, bless me today and bless whatever I choose to do today, right? That's basically what so many of our prayers say whenever we pray. Maybe you get up in the morning and you pray and you ask God's blessings. And that's fantastic. We want God's blessings. But what about God's leading? Do you ask for that too? Do you say, God, lead me today by your Spirit. Guide my path today. You know, I always say, I, I always even, or sometimes, I used to, maybe I need to again add to that. Make it obvious, God. I'm stubborn, right? I'm hard-headed. I've got my own wants and desires. I, I'd, I'd always, I don't always do a good job uh, crucifying the flesh every day, right? Crucifying the flesh, that means putting aside stamping down my own wants and desires and will, right? Pushing that down in order to seek God's desire, God's wants, God's will, right? To be led by His Spirit. And so sometimes I'll even pray and say, God, make it obvious to me today, right? Don't let me miss it. I don't want to miss it. I want to be led by Your Spirit. And maybe maybe you pray that of a morning. But does it go farther than that? When you go out and as you go through the day, do you actively seek the leading of the Holy Spirit of God? When you're there in the checkout line and all of a sudden God kind of prompts your heart a little bit, do you obey? Right? Whatever it may be. Maybe it's to help somebody. Maybe it's to tell somebody. Right? Maybe it's to, to, to share, you know, the share of the gospel with them. Maybe it's to tell them about Jesus. Maybe it's to remind them that somebody loves them. Maybe it's to encourage them in that moment. Maybe it's just simply to ask them how they're doing, and that's the door that God has opened up, and they're just getting ready to unload on you. Maybe it's, you know, to, you know, pay for their stuff or whatever it might be, you know. However the Spirit of God may prompt you in that moment, to be his hands and feet. Do you act upon that? Or do you suppress it? Right? Right? Do, do we go, oh wait, that's just me. You know, that's just my own emotion. Or do you know, we go, oh well, oh that's, yeah I'd like to, but that's kind of tight this month. Or, oh you know, I would talk, I would say something to them, but I, I'm already way behind, you know, where I need to be or what I planned on doing, right? Do we, do we follow that prompting and that leading? Or do we quench it? Do we actively seek to be led by the Spirit of God? And when He prompts you, do you follow that leading? Always. Always. We go through this list, always rejoice. Always pray, always give thanks, always be led by the Spirit of God. 
it'll, he'll never lead you wrong. He'll never lead you astray. He'll never get you into a mess that, um, that he can't handle, right? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? You can't go wrong following the Spirit of God. That's so simple, but yet so hard for us to grasp and follow. Did you know that you'll have a better, more joy-filled and peace-filled life when you are led by the Spirit of God. Guarantee it. As the saying goes, stake my life on it, bet the farm on it, whatever those you want to use. Listen to me, you can't go wrong following God. And so it's crucial. It's crucial for us to be led by the Spirit of God. That's what keeps us on the straight and narrow. And also... You know what? When you are walking with God all day, every day, you're going to have a much deeper relationship and a closer walk with God. It's just the, it's just the truth. It's just, that's just how it works. It's the nature of the relationship. So always, always rejoice, always pray, always give thanks, always be led by the Spirit of God. Verse 20. Despise not prophesies. Hmm. That one's a little difficult to uh, decipher, isn't it? Um, can, I say, can I reword it this way, then I'll try to explain it? Or, para- or fra- I don't know what the right word is. Let me just say it this way. Always respect God's word. And you might be sitting there thinking, now wait a minute, it says not to despise prophecies. And you're saying always respect God's word, and and yes, okay, I get that, but how is those two connected? If you look up the word here in the New Testament, the Greek word for prophesying, it's Strong's number 4395. If you've got a Strong's, you can go home and look it up in the back of your Strong's. And here is, I wrote it down and brought it with me. The definition, it says, is it means to declare truths through the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, whether by prediction or not. Now, think about that. There's prophets in the Old Testament. We know that. We've studied that lots of times. There is prophets in the same sense a few places in the New Testament. See, when we think of prophet, we think of somebody that God has revealed something to them that is going to happen in the future that is otherwise unknown. So by that knowledge that God has revealed to them, they are able to prophesy to predict those future events. Right? That is what we think of when we think of prophesying. And that is true. But that is only a part. That is actually, if you will study the Old Testament prophets, because that's where we get our definition from, that's where we learn what it is is from. If you study it, if this is their, it represents their lifespan and everything they say and do in their lifespan, that much of it is how much of it was predicting future events. And probably most, if not all of them, are written down here in the Old Testament. Most of what they did is simply declaring God's word. And even even in a future prediction prophecy type thing, that's still declaring God's word. That's what they do. They declare 
God's word. It's a proclamation. It's not just a prediction. It could be a prediction. In the New Testament, we have that happening a couple times. Agabus is one of them in the book of Acts, right? God revealed to him that there was going to be a famine in Jerusalem, and so he prophesied that there was going to be a famine, and so the church took up an offering in preparation for that famine, which did come, in order to help the church in Jerusalem and the people in the church to get through that famine. That thing, that did happen. That's in the New Testament. But most of the time, the prophesying that it's talking about, when we get into the New Testament, when we get into the church age, is simply declaring God's word. And in this sense, most of the time, to prophesy simply means to speak the word of God. So do not treat the proclaiming of God's word and God's message with contempt. It is actually for edification exhortation and comfort edification is one of them bible words that means building up it's for the building up for the exhortation the encouraging and for the comfort of the church of god's people as a matter of fact in first corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3 it says but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort that is one thing, one conviction that God has put on me that I have tried um, since the time that I came here, since time, the time that God sent me here almost 10 years ago. The emphasis that he has put on me has been the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. That is just, that, that's been the, my strong suit, that has been my focus. I, I am weak in many other areas and I know that. Um, but that's the emphasis. That is the purpose and the reason that God brought me here. And here in the last, since the summer, in the last less than a year, he has doubled down on, on that very thing in my heart. And especially um, if you're not careful as a preacher and a teacher or just thinking about the declaring of word, the word of God, you will spend a lot of time saying what you think about the word of God and not very much time actually saying what God said. And so anyway, it's one thing in one way is I've tried to include more scripture in our service. And if I can, if the Lord will show me and I can think of other ways to include even more of God's word in our scripture, I think that would be a good thing. And, and so anyways, and that's why we have the scripture reading. Of course, I've been doing that for quite a while in the beginning of the service. We've got one in the middle of the service. We've got one here. Uh, you know, I, I think quite a bit of scripture is being read. God's word is literally being said, being proclaimed in the house of God. That's a good thing. I heard a preacher years ago say that one time that the church, that God's church, the house of God, that there ought to be so much praying that happens during your average worship service in the house of God that the nominally Christian, right, that's the people that show up who are Christian in name only. They come for the wrong reason, right? They're not truly born again. They've just... It, they just call themselves a Christian, and that's it. Their heart is not there, is what I'm trying to say. He said there ought to be so much pain and, that takes place in the house of God that the nominally Christian are bored. And I think that's 100% true, and I'm going to add to that. I think there ought to be so much reading of the Word of God and praying to God. Huh, that sounds like a conversation. Reading the Word of God, God talking to us, us praying, talking back to God. There ought to be so much of that happening 
in our worship service that those that aren't serious about God are absolutely bored with it. Always respect God's word. Do not despise, despise not prophesying. When God's word is preached, when it is read, when it is recited, it is to be received. And we are to receive it with great seriousness. We need to, uh, we need, if we don't already value it, we need to learn to value the reading, the preaching, the teaching, the reciting of God's word. Matter of fact, it tells us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, it says that it, in the last part of that verse, it says that please God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Listen to me. If you don't think preaching is foolish, I'll give you the opportunity to get up here and try it next week. I'll promise you, when you're up here preaching, uh, you feel foolish. And, the, and preaching does feel foolish. But it is by that foolishness that God has to, uh, that it pleased God to save them that believe. Preaching is God's chosen method for delivering the gospel, for saving the lost, and for strengthening the church. God chose that method. I didn't. Not some man before me. Not even you. But God chose that. So do you look forward to the preaching of God's word? Or would you just assume, and the reading of God's word, and the reciting of God's word? Do you look forward to the, that proclamation of God's word? Or would you just assume not have it? Always. Always, always, always respect God's word. Verse 21 says, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Always test everything. Test all things. Hold fast to that, what is the, to that which is good. That's what the scripture says here. 1 John 4 1 say, uh, tells us, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Try the spirits. Because there's a whole lot of fake ones. There's a whole lot of false ones that's went out into the world. Um, it always stood out to me in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, where it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves. Now listen to that. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel that... Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. He's not saying that those actually become, you know, he, he's not saying that the false apostles actually become, are actually transformed into Christ's apostles. He's not saying that Satan himself is actually transformed into an angel of light. He's not saying that Satan's ministers are actually transformed into the ministers of righteousness. What the apostle Paul is warning us and saying is that they will appear, they will present themselves. 
The false apostles will present themselves as true apostles. Satan will, uh, uh, will um, present himself as an angel of light, right? His ministers will present themselves as ministers of righteousness. What's it saying? Just because someone walks in saying that they were sent by God, that doesn't mean that God sent them. Does not mean just because somebody says they were called by God, doesn't mean that God called them. Just because they stand up behind the pulpit every week and say some things that you like hearing, that does not mean that they are God's minister, serving to you His Word, ministering to you in His Word. Do not blindly accept everything. Believe not every spirit, beloved, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because there's many fakes and phonies that went out into the world. Do not accept everything. Test everything. You might be sitting there saying, well, how do you test it? I'll give you two things. One, if you're actually where you need to be and your heart's right, and you're always rejoicing, and you're always praying, and you're always thankful. And here's where I was going to get at. You're always, always being led by the Spirit, and you've got the Word of God rooted deep down in you. But let me go back. You're being led by the Spirit. He's going to prompt you. There's going to be all kinds of red flags that's going off. There's going to be all kinds of warning signals, right? Uh, you, you know, as uh, some like to say, the spidey senses are all going on. That's the Holy Spirit that is nudging you that's going, hey, <laughs> this ain't right. The, he, he or she or whatever ain't what it claims to be. And the real one, the one that you can't go wrong with, is what they're saying they're doing, does it line up here? Does it line up with God's word? I'll guarantee you it will either line up with it or it will go against it every time. So how do you test everything? By the spirit and by the word. That's how you do it. And if it does not line up with God and with his word, then it is not of God and it is not from God. And one last one, verse 22 abstain from all appearance of evil abstain now listen abstain from all appearance of evil always avoid evil right always avoid evil keep away from every kind of evil why associate with it why hang around with it nothing good is going to come out of it avoid anything that could even be perceived as wrong, right? The temptation or the trick, it's not even, it is a temptation that allows you to let down your guard and be tricked, but the way that, that we are fooled and that we are tricked, whether we fool ourselves or somebody else fools us or Satan fools us, is that we think as Christians that, you know, that we need to make sure that we mingle with all of our unchristian friends. We went through this with, with my children as they were growing up, right? And, and, and that is one prevailing philosophy. 
Here's the thing that I always told my kids, and I'm going to tell you. In that relationship, because we are to go out to the lost, and we are to win the lost, but in that relationship, who is influencing who? Are you and your Christian values and Christian beliefs, right, all that goodness that's come from God that he's put in you, are you influencing them for Jesus Christ? Or are they influencing you for what is wrong, what goes against the word of God? Are they influencing you for bad? Are you influencing them for good? Or are they influencing you from bad? Because if they're influencing you for bad, in other words, you find yourself, right, going back to the younger people, hopefully you older people aren't going to do these kinds of parties and things like that, but for the younger ones, does that mean that, you're, that you find yourself on a creek bake, right, with a keg of beer and a bunch of uh, debauchery and all kinds of things going on and you're just trying to be a good Christian standing there in the midst of it? How is that abstaining from the parents of evil? How is it that you're influencing them for Christ? If you were influencing them for Christ, then maybe you should be sitting around there on the creek bank with the Bible open instead. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Why? Why would you even want that associated or around? Listen, this has been a few years ago, and I, I'm a, I, I bet you it comes back up again as a next presidential election comes around. The world gave Mike Pence a very hard time because of a practice that he had. Uh, it's usually been called or referred to as the Billy Graham rule. It's part of the, uh, what they coined or phrased the Modesto Manifesto. What it, what it basically, the part that, that uh, Mike Pence shared in an interview, I believe it was, that took hold and he got, a lot, got made fun of a lot for it and ridiculed and, and actually accused and of all kinds of things and called uh, you know, the, uh, you know, a sexist and all kinds of things because he had said that he would not have dinner with or have a, a private meeting with a woman if his wife was not present. That was the rule that he went by. That's what he continued to live by and went by. And as vice president, that is still, when this is when this interview was taking place, the, that was still his practice. And he had mentioned that, that he would not, without his wife being present with them, he would not, even if, the, even if the dinner was strictly business, even if the other person was a government official or whatever, he would not go to dinner with them alone unless his wife was present. And he would not have a private meeting with them unless his wife was present and the media and the world went crazy making fun of him and calling him all kinds of names I mean everything from Saturday Night Live skits about it to just absolutely horrific tirades uh, in the media and everywhere calling him all kinds of names can I let you in on something one name they never called him and couldn't call him and still can't call him is an adulterer because he abstained from the appearance of evil to the point that there is no reasonable way if you stay away from trouble you'll come a lot nearer staying out of trouble huh 
That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? If you'll stay away from trouble, the odds are you'll stay out of trouble. We're to live in God's light by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 5.11 says, And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Right? And those things that are done of them in secret are starting to be done openly. And it's a shame to even speak of them. Do not reprove, don't have any fellowship with them, but instead reprove them. It goes on in verse 13, it says, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever it does make manifest is light. So let me ask you the exact same questions that I asked you last week. I wrote them down and brought them with me because I wanted to make sure I asked you the same questions I did last week. The pilgrims started this great time-honored tradition that we just celebrated this last Thursday of Thanksgiving. They started it even after having lost so much. They dug seven graves for every hut or house, home, that they built, right? They lost so many people in that first year that they dug seven graves for every home that they built. Here's my question, my first question. Can you have an attitude of thanksgiving regardless of what you might have lost or regardless of what you might be going through? Can you still have a heart of thanksgiving? Do you always have a heart of thanksgiving in all circumstances? I mean, think about it for a minute. God has already given you eternal life. If you're saved, he has given you eternal life. How much more does he need to give you before you'll have an attitude of thanksgiving? If you don't have this attitude of thanksgiving that I was asking you about, then how much more than, he, than what he's already given you does he have to give you? What's the point when you finally will have a heart of thanksgiving? My point is, is if you don't have it now, it's more stuff is not what's going to give it to you. There's a problem in here. You probably need to come to the altar and seek the Lord. So here's what, here's my action. Here's what I'm asking you to do, asking all of us to do. Let's covet together. Let's determine in our hearts that giving thanks through rejoicing and through prayer will not be something that we just do one Thursday in November once a year. Let us ask God to help us and rejoicing and praying and giving thanks and being led by the Spirit of God and respecting His Word, having a love, a hunger for His Word. Of always testing everything and always avoiding the very even appearance of evil. Let's ask God every day 
to help us live that life, to have that kind of a heart, that kind of an attitude. I think we'll find ourselves giving thanks evermore and everything, as the scripture says. Jennifer, will you come for a song of invitation? I don't know where you stand this morning. I don't know the desires of your heart. But I'm going to ask you this morning if if something I said here this morning and I tried my very best to be led by the Spirit of God in every word I spoke this morning. Something that was said here this morning that I truly believe was from heaven for you. That prompted something in you. If the Holy Spirit tapped you and said, listen. If he urged you maybe to there was something here that you need to apply to your life, to your heart. I'm begging you, don't be just a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word also. Be a doer. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other, forgotten by tomorrow or the next day or next week. Spirit of God is moving, wanting to transform your life here this morning. Would you listen? Would you do it? Would you allow him to do that this morning? Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar. I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. Spirit of God dealing with you. Would you come this morning? If you've got, if my goodness, we've been talking about led by the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of God is, is nudging you to come and pray about something, would you come this morning? Here's a good place to come and seek the face of God. If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come this morning? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Would you come this morning?